0: Tennessee football faces a pivotal game in the direction of its season. The Vols will host Texas A&M on Saturday. Tennessee, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Vols coming off an open date while Texas A&M, they had a, a key moment on Saturday in College Station, opportunity to gain control of the SEC West. Let it slip through their fingers, lost to alabama welcome in to the volunteer state i'm blake topmeyer alongside the knoxville news sentinels adam sparks and john adams guys i feel like this is i've been saying since the the preseason uh, this is the biggest game on on tennessee's schedule i don't know if that's accurate it's a matter of opinion i think there's probably two or three games that could have earned that title but certainly feels like a big game this week big moment for tennessee also feel like it to me, this feels like a bit of a coin flip game, a true toss up. You know, the sports books favor Tennessee by about a field goal, but I'm wondering how you guys see this one. Is this something of a of a coin flip game in in your minds?
1: Yeah, it's a toss up game. It looked like a toss up game in the preseason. I think it still is. Obviously, Vegas thinks so. the The, the line on this game is like three points or something like that. Tennessee favored. Um, And, uh, you know, what we thought in the preseason has kind of come to fruition. We thought the topic this week would probably be how Tennessee comes off of a bye week and how Texas A&M comes out of the Alabama game. Um, Because, you know, you thought if if A&M beat Alabama, this would be in the category of trap game. You're going on the road. You just got a huge win over Nick Saban. And so this would be a trap game. The fact that they lost that game. I think puts a different a different tone to this one for A and M. Um, you know, this could this could be a bounce back game uh, for A and M, or it also could be a letdown game. Uh, let's say Tennessee goes up fourteen to three or fourteen nothing or something like that. Um, they've been known to have fast starts the past couple of years. If they have one of those, um, you know, does A and M say this season is lost and pack it in, and Tennessee takes control? if uh if you get a and m playing with the ferocity that they have on defense a lot this year uh tennessee could it could be a bad matchup for tennessee and so um what we thought this game would be i think in the preseason is is what we're going to get and so much of what tennessee has now as a healthier team than they had going into the bye week uh, but with some big questions especially with brew mccoy out
2: yeah i favor tennessee by the narrowest of margins in in this and mainly because of intangibles. I think that was a brutal loss for Texas A&M. It was playing for everything last week in Kyle Field, 108,000 108, people in the stadium, uh, you know, a chance to take the lead in the SEC West and beat Alabama for the second time there at Kyle Field. And losing that game the way it did in the second half, I think it would be very deflating. I think it'll be tough for A&M to come back on the road in what will be a very hostile env- environment. Uh, and I think the, another sort of intangible is the open date for Tennessee helps Tennessee have fresh legs, maybe. However, when I, I look at the teams and a lot, you know, look at the depth charts. I mean, to me, A&M might be the better team. Put it on a neutral field. RFA and M had beaten Alabama. I'd pick A and M, but I would go with Tennessee just uh, because, mainly because of A and M's loss to Alabama.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned a good point with the depth chart, John, because um, you know being there for that game against Alabama, you know Tennessee, Al- excuse me, Texas A and M, Alabama. I thought A suffered from no shortage of talent. Um, the team with the better quarterback won. Jalen Milrow outplayed Max Johnson. A&M's offensive line struggled after halftime against Alabama's defensive front. But overall, I thought AM had every bit as much talent as Alabama at most positions. Uh, some positions probably had a little bit more. Some positions maybe had a little bit less. But for the most part, it didn't look like a huge talent differential. Uh, and I know you, know you guys are not Texas AM beat writers, but you've both seen the Aggies play some this season, as have I. I wonder, is, is there. Any position that jumps out to you as maybe you think, ooh, I I really like Tennessee in this position or this matchup? Because to me, as I look across the board, I I mean, as you say, John, if it was on a neutral field, I think I'd favor the Aggies in the head-to-head. Of course, it's not on a neutral field, and Tennessee's been really tough at Neyland Stadium during the Josh Heupel era.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is, I think if you ask that question against most SEC opponents this year, we there, are, there aren't there are necessarily obvious players for Tennessee where you say they are so much better at this one position. You could do that last year, obviously, um, especially on offense. Um, but, you know, Tennessee, to this point, there's still some unknowns. We s- seem to still not know who Tennessee's best players are. We don't fully know their identity. We think they're a run team. We think they're a pressure defense. But they, they've only played two SEC games. One of them they were bad in, and the other one they played you know, I'm not a great team in South Carolina. So we don't really know enough about Tennessee to know if they're better than A&M, uh, you know, at certain positions. A&M has played in Alabama. They played a game where they could prove what they are and what they're not. Tennessee just hasn't really had a game like that. Um you know, I think Joe Milton is what he is. I think uh, uh, wide receiver is some question marks. Because Brew McCoy is out, you don't have really that prototypical NFL-type receiver out there. Squirrel wide is really good in the slot, and they're going to have to lean on him more and more. Uh, Jalen Wright is a phenomenal running back. M- maybe that's where Tennessee has somewhat of an edge. Um, but I-, I think in the ways that Tennessee the last two years you have said where you could say they're absolutely better, and that was that quarterback and wide receiver, I think those are not as obvious, and I think that's why it's a little harder to make the comparisons.
2: Uh, even though Texas A&M had an awful game against Miami defending the pass, um, I'd still take it secondary over Tennessee's, and which tells me they're better in every unit on defense, linebacker, defensive front. And secondary, all advantages to AM m when I look at these depth charts. On offense, AM has better receiving core. There's no doubt about that, particularly with Brew McCoy out. So the positions, the chance of Tennessee in the offensive line might kind of be a push. Uh, running back, uh, to me, would be the advantage Tennessee has. And that made a huge difference in the South Carolina win a couple of weeks ago. So... I know it'll be hard to run against uh, a front front seven, but I think that's a that running back position is is where Tennessee does have an advantage, and I also think it might have an advantage at quarterback. Um, it's important that it does, but but Joe Milton playing at home uh, for Texas AM's and ms backup Max Jones on the road, I, I think Max Johnson on the road, I think uh, that should be an edge to Tennessee. And to me, that could be the key to the game. Uh, as you said, Jalen Milrow outplayed Johnson last week. Well, if, uh, if Joe Milton does the same, I think Tennessee will win.
0: I wonder how you guys look at these programs. We, we have these debates sometimes, right? Like, you know, how do you rank the different programs in the SEC or how do you rank different jobs? Um, because in some ways I compare these programs similarly. They often have uh, high expectations and many times they struggle to live up to them. And yet you look at the revenue sheet and there are two programs that they don't slump there. They, they bring in plenty of money. They got facilities. Uh, they have fan support the whole bit, they feel like two programs that could, um, you know, rise up and win a national championship sometime, when in reality, Texas A&M hasn't won one since 1939. Tennessee's last, of course, was 98, but you go back before that, you have to go back to, what, 1967 for Tennessee. So, you know, there are two programs that I think have a chance for big-time success, but over the years, their fan bases are often left wanting more, and and I'll leave you Uh, with this, as we kind of wade into this discussion, I figured up each team's win total over the last 20 years, tried to give us a good sample size. So in the 20 year span, Tennessee has 140 victories for an average of seven wins per season, right on the nose, Texas A&M over the past 20 years, 148 victories, an average of 7.4 wins per season. So, you know, over two decade portion of time, uh, on the win loss column, these guys are very similar to the
1: same program. Yeah, and I mean h- historically, uh, which matters, I think, a lot in Southern football, they're 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 pretty close. Um, Tennessee has two national championships. Texas A&M has like one and a half, depending on how you want to count it. Texas a has two Heisman winners. Tennessee, some would argue, should have two Heisman winners: Johnny Majors, Peyton Manning. Um, th- they're very similar programs. Um, the, their stadiums are both a little over a hundred thousand. Um, one has the 12th man, one has Rocky top it's, it's, you know, the, they're very comparable in that way. But I think a big distinction between the two is that Tennessee can be really good and feel like it's elite Texas A and M can be really good and still be dependent on how it compares to Texas. And I think that's something that Tennessee just doesn't have to deal with. Now, Tennessee sometimes will gauge success or failure based on how Alabama does, how Georgia does, so on and so forth, but not directly in the way that A&M does. And I think that'll be even more so when Texas gets into the conference. Um, Tennessee doesn't have to, doesn't have to deal with that. You, You look at last year, Tennessee was 11 and two. They didn't win the East Georgia won the national championship. Uh, nobody in the Tennessee fan base said that uh, wasn't that as good of a year as we wanted because Georgia won the national title. You don't have that one-to-one comparison all the time. A&M is always going to, you know, deal with the shadow uh, of Longhorns. And um, so I feel like that's almost a seedling uh, that Tennessee can exceed that, that a can't um, better. Uh, they have a chance to have better facilities in any given year because there's a ton of money at Texas A&M. There's plenty of money at Tennessee too, but um, you can, you can have all the players that you want in the state of Texas. You don't have even have to leave the state to give what you need. Tennessee, certainly that's not the case, but you you always are going to have to deal with Texas. Um, and the fact that Tennessee does not have to do that, I think makes them, they're very similar, but also very different. Tennessee can be Peyton Manning. Um, Texas A&M can be Eli Manning, who's a Hall of Famer, but he's still the the little brother. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's just sort of what you're dealing with, and I think that will become more and more the case as Texas uh, comes in. Now, in the modern era, um, you know, I'm curious to see how A&M deals with Texas coming into the conference because over the last decade – I've known more about AM than I have the Longhorns because they're in the conference. And they did have a chance, I think, for separation in this past decade. And they really, they really missed an opportunity. They had Johnny Menzel and all that. And it seemed like early on, they were going to have a chance to pass Texas. Um, but it just never came to fruition. You thought maybe when they got Jimbo Fisher, you thought they're going to win a national title before the Longhorns can, can, can catch up. And that didn't happen. So I, th- I think, Historically, people are going to look back and say A&M missed its window, and Tennessee's window is never really open and closed because they don't have that comparison of an in-state school.
2: I'll, care. Uh, I'll extend that uh, Texas uh, A&M comparison. Uh, Texas is obviously the team that uh, Texas A&M fans would love to hate and would most like like to beat, but Oklahoma-Texas is a bigger rivalry than Texas and Texas A&M. And not just because Texas A&M is now in the, uh, in the SEC. Oklahoma is in a different, uh, you know, it's been in a different conference at times. But uh, the Red River shootout uh, is a bigger game and has a higher national profile. It's like the Aggies are kind of always just second. Uh, however, I, I think... I think the potential at some point in the NIL era, A&M should win a national championship. I I think it's just going to be getting the right coach. It's had good coaches. It had R.C. Slocum was very, very successful. Uh, uh, Jackie Sherrill did really good things there. Um, But, and Jimbo Fisher has a nice resume, but If A&M gets the right coach, it's just, to me, as Adam pointed out, that recruiting base in Texas, heck, if if A&M can just get the 25 best players in the Houston Metroplex every year, it can contend for a national championship. Uh, That's a program I think that uh, the fans probably feel a little bit cursed at times. And then – and and maybe that's why I put so much stock in the Tennessee A and M game, based on what happened last week. It it was just another Aggie moment where opportunity knocked. A and M kind of went to the door, but could not quite open it.
0: Do you think? Um, how much do you think Tennessee fans will care or appreciate games like this when they become a more regular part? of the schedule, because this is one of those interdivision games that in the current construct uh, just didn't happen very often. Of course, you know, you have your, your interdivision rival. So you're earmarked to play them every year, but that left very, you know, it only left only one other crossover game in the schedule. And so matchups like, like Tennessee and the Aggies didn't happen often. It, it was one of those games that occurred during the pandemic year when they scrambled the schedule, and had a had a conference only alignment. Otherwise, the only times Tennessee's played Texas A and M as SEC members since A and M joined the conference uh, was 2016, a uh, tight game that A and M won uh, in College Station that year. The only time Tennessee's hosted the Aggies as SEC members came during the pandemic year. But as we know, divisions are going away um, starting next season after Texas and Oklahoma. Join Now, we still don't know long term whether the SEC is going with an eight game or a nine game conference schedule to review. The SEC stuck with eight games next year beyond 2024. We don't know for sure, but we do think it's going to nine games at some point. Regardless, the SEC has said that you'll play everybody in the conference uh, at a minimum of twice every four years. You'll play your designated rivals every year everybody else twice in a four-year span. And so that's where Tennessee and Texas A&M will fall. How much do you think fans will enjoy seeing teams like A&M more often? Are they not going to care? Are they going to miss some of the East matchups that sort of fall away on an annual basis? Or do you think fans will appreciate seeing the Aggies and teams
1: like them more often? The newness at times will be better, um, but, it's, just, it's an extension of the same conversation if you ask a Tennessee fan, hey, what do you think about playing AM, going to a and uh, The answer is going to be, well, I'd rather go to Texas. I'd rather play Texas. And that's going to be the, the easy comparison. There's just sort of a um, – there's, there's more of a desire to go to Austin and play the Longhorns than there is the Aggies. Uh, I don't even know if I can quite explain that. Um, I've went to – I've covered – I don't know two or three games at A and M before. Kyle Field is cool; it's enormous. The student section is is unique on its own. Um, I, I covered a game during COVID there. I remember, and uh, the the social distancing for whatever you think of that did not exist in that game in the uh, in the twelfth man section. Um, so it's it's a rowdy bunch and it's fun. Uh, the campus is cool at A and M. I went to the. Uh, I think it was this last summer, I went to the, the George Bush Museum there, the, the library, they have that on campus. It's, it's a cool place to be, and I kind of feel sorry in some sense to A&M that it's, it's looked at as somehow below the Longhorns. But that's how people are going to view it. And uh, whether you ask it uh, next year or 10 years from now, what do you think about playing A&M or going to A&M, the answer is going to be that's fine, but I'd rather be playing the Longhorns
2: well that's that's true i think uh in fact i think tennessee fans would rather go to oklahoma they'd rather go to norman oklahoma that's certainly a, it's one of the most storied programs in in the country uh however i think they would really appreciate going to college station the facilities at that school are amazing uh, in in every area uh, the stadium it seats; they can get one hundred and ten thousand in there standing, and it looks like a, a NASCAR. I mean, it looks like it could seat one hundred twenty-five thousand. Just when I'm there in the press box, you might have thought the same thing, Adam, Blake, but it, it just looks like the stadium. It looks bigger, even bigger than it is, and it just seems to go on and on. So, and there's and there's great tradition there. So I think I think fans would appreciate seeing that. But I really think what how this goes and how much they want to go to one place or another might depend on how successful these programs are. I mean, we're talking about A and M missing a great opportunity. Well, look what Texas did Saturday. It was six and a half point favorite to win that that great rivalry game against Oklahoma, and it couldn't couldn't handle Oklahoma when when the chips are on the line. So. Uh, I think it will depend. A&M, I think, has about – it's got a top five recruiting class going again. Uh, so at some point, I think A&M has just as good a chance maybe as Texas uh, in this NIL era. And what other com- – a little more commonality there with Tennessee and Texas A&M, I think, is NIL. I think Tennessee fans are desperate to win a championship. Texas A&M fans may be even more desperate and I think they're willing to pay what it takes.
1: Yeah, I, I think success does change sort of the perception of like black like as you're saying that game how much the Tennessee fans want to play that game in the future a little more regularly. Um, you know when 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 Menzel was there everybody would want to would want their team to play that game. Um, if they were in the national title hunt you would want to play that game. Uh, But the thing is, when I think of Texas A&M over the past decade, since they've been in the SEC, I think of an 8-4 and team. I don't think of a bad team. I don't think of, of, you know, a championship contender necessarily. I think of an 8-4 and team. And, uh, you know, that's that's a compliment. That's also a criticism, I suppose, because they did have that window. But players, which you get in the NIL, and successful players, teams and programs that changes your perception of it. But A&M has just not really got to that point aside from when Menzel was there. And obviously he's, I mean, he's a Netflix documentary. So, or ESPN <laughs> or whoever did the documentary. So the, when I watched that, I thought, how old is Johnny Menzel? And he's, he's, he, that was really that long ago, which, which stunned me.
0: Yeah. I was writing some things down guys, as I was, I was reflecting on our thoughts between the programs and uh, I, I just kind of run it down here. We said history, pretty comparable. NIL advantages, pretty comparable. Seems like between Tennessee and Texas A&M, they both seem to be doing well in the NIL space. Uh, facilities, both these schools have have just great facilities. Um, revenue and resources, probably tips a little bit toward A&M. Tennessee's no poppers, but... Texas A&M is an absolute revenue giant and resources giant. Uh, Recruiting base tips A&M, being in the state of Texas. And then flagship school, not being in anybody's shadow, tips Tennessee. So it's like there's several ties the way I'm counting them up, and and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but like the the debate between the programs, there's several ties. I scored two for uh, lean A&M, and I scored one lean Tennessee.
1: Smokey versus Reveille, that's pretty close. That's pretty tight. <laughs> John both. loves
0: Don dog mascots. I'm sure you do, do a too. Oh, on. I do too, yeah. <laughs> and
1: uh,
2: who's the biggest name? Uh, Peyton Manning versus Johnny Manziel. Mm.
1: Two very different guys. Two very, very, very different guys. So, I got to go like,
0: Peyton P- Point, Tennessee, and it's a tie game again.
2: I would like, I would like to have Peyton's income more than Johnny's. <laughs>
0: no, no doubt about it. Um, it, when we you know wrap up thoughts on, on this game guys, cause it is such an important one and, and, you know, can kind of be dwarfed, I guess, in some ways, uh, by Alabama next week, but not really in terms of the significance to Tennessee's season. I think this one stacks, uh, right up there is if there's something that you think could swing this in tennessee's favor i know we talked about sort of the rosters in the matchup earlier but i don't know if i want to call it an x factor label it however you want something that could swing the game in tennessee beyond the crowd something something with the team what do you think it could be that, that could tip the scales to tennessee in this coin flip type of matchup
1: well i'll give you a couple thoughts on this one um One is, I want to see what Tennessee's like second wind looks like. Um, Tennessee's offense uh, during Josh Apple's tenure has been very good when it had time to prepare. They're usually good early in games when they come out and they have that script of plays. They're usually good coming out of halftime with that script of plays. It's the lulls that come after that when they have to go to, you know, page two or page three. Um, In the bowl games, uh, both years the offense has been great. So now they've had a bye week. I want to. I think they're going to come out pretty strong. They're going to have a good plan. It's what they do once that that plan is done, and they've got to sort of adjust within the game. Um, that's one thing I want to see what their what their second wind is. Um, and number two, you know, fans, if you're watching this game, I don't expect you to pause it much. But if you pause uh, the Pause the broadcast right before Tennessee snaps the ball. It'll be interesting because I'll do this. Uh, if this especially if it's a close game, I'll do this on the replay. Pause it and see if uh if AM is rushing four, their pass rush, or if they're rushing more than that. If if they're rushing four and getting to Tennessee, then the game's over. AM's gonna win the game. Um, on early downs, first, second down, um, how many are in the box? in the tackle box. Is it five? Is it six? Is it seven? Um, because A&M is going to try to bring a pass rush with four, you would think. And if that works, they're going to win the game. If they don't have to drop a lot of guys into coverage um, and they can load up the box to stop that run, Tennessee's the best rushing offense in the conference. a and the best rushing defense in the conference. If they can bring a lot of guys in the box and bottle up that run and not be scared by the deep ball, um, A&M's going to win the game. Um, if AM is dropping two safeties deep as opposed to one safety, um, then that tells you that Tennessee can maybe run the ball. If they can't run the ball and there's two safeties deep, Tennessee's gonna lose the game. So there's a lot of pre-snap counting, I think, which I know Josh Hoppel is gonna do, that will tell you where this where this game is going. Um AM is probably gonna crowd up on the line to receivers. They're gonna try to press them, uh press man at the at the line of scrimmage, see if these receivers, some of them a little inexperienced, some of them smaller, like Squirrel White, to see if they can keep them from getting deep, get, getting vertical. If they can do that, Tennessee's not going to win the game. If Tennessee can win those one-on-ones, um, I suspect you're going to see a lot, of, a lot of shots downfield. And I guess i put all those together and say, Tennessee is going to have opportunities to win this game. I think they're going to get a lot of deep shots. If a and not giving that up, then they're going to be able to run all day on A&M. Um, they're going to get opportunities uh, if they're going to win. I think coming out of this game, we're not going to say that A&M you know, dictated everything and bludgeoned Tennessee. If Tennessee wins, we're going to say they took advantage of opportunities and matchups. If Tennessee loses, we're going to say they had opportunities and they squandered them. I think that's what's going to come down to. And I think both of the coaches know that too.
2: To follow up on that, I I kind of think it could be big plays. Uh, Max Johnson, A&M's quarterback, has a really nice touch. He's been accurate on the deep ball if he has time to throw. If he gets time to throw, I think he could hit Evan Stewart or Ananias Smith for big plays against Tennessee's secondary. On the other hand, Tennessee hasn't made big plays like it did last season, certainly, but it has had a few. And A&M's given up big plays in the secondary. Alabama just repeatedly went after this right cornerback, Josh DeBerry, I think was his name. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jermaine Burton had a career game against him, and he stuck out. Maybe he won't still be starting this week, but he was, uh, you know, he stuck out like a neon sign on his helmet out there, and, uh, and Alabama really, uh, really attacked him. So I think kind of kind of like what Adam said, opportunities. I think Tennessee will have some opportunities for big plays in the passing game, and it needs to cash in on them.
0: All right, big one at Neyland Stadium on Saturday. You can follow along uh, with all the coverage this week and on game day over at knoxnews.com, and we will be back with you next week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State.